I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost for Words podcast. I'm joined this week by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey, Tom. I'm excited to be banging out both uh, draft pings and the betting uh, picks for this week. I think it'll be a nice little change of pace. Yeah, so I didn't didn't introduce it as the as the DraftKings podcast or the betting podcast at that time because we are going to roll it into into one for Pebble Beach, which one is because Brad's travelling, but two is it's nice. We we always touch upon this. Matt, don't we? we always touch upon the betting side of things when we do the drafting show anyway, and it's always good for us to to talk both side of things. So whereas sometimes we'll say, oh, we like this person for a bet, but we don't like them for DraftKings, we can kind of correlate that all into one show. And with it being a more limited field, um, that's more easily done as well. So looking forward to doing it this way. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be great. What do you make of this show, Matt? Like this this event because it's now gone from three courses to two it's now gone from a massive long field to 82 in the field it's gone from a pretty average field to an elite field because it's a designated event like what does that do to your kind of psyche do you think are you kind of focusing on the people that have always played here and, and favoring them or do you think the elites that didn't play here can kind of contend as well I think a little bit of both. I mean, I'm really, really excited for the event. I think it's going to be awesome. I'm excited to see a good field at one of the best courses in the world. And the fact that we'll get some weather and wind over the weekend and no amateurs over the weekend. I think it's going to be the best event so far of the season. Uh, and I have high expectations for it. So hopefully it doesn't let me down. I do think, um, yeah, the guys who play here every year might have a slight advantage. But it's tough to tell with course history because the fields are usually relatively weak. So um, I actually I have a kind of a feeling we might get a stacked leaderboard this week. The only thing I would say about the players that that play here every year, like you just know they're fine to deal with the long rounds. You know what I mean? So it's it's they're happy with the long rounds. They're they're fine to play with the amateurs. They don't mind too much about anything, you know, going on with the event. So I, I wish with the designated event they'd almost cut out the amateurs. Um, and if they're going to do the two courses, just do it as an elite event. It doesn't include them, but. I guess they're not there yet. Right, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the guys who don't like it just have to survive two days, and I think that will be enough to get them kind of through it and realize that it's not going to be an all-week thing and they won't be mentally checked out early. Absolutely. Matt, should we two sets? We're going to get my phone. Sorry, I'm going to hear. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't got you on video now. Did you cut off that on purpose? Yeah, I always have it off and on. Yeah, I've cool. got it on the back. That's fine. Um, let me just pick it back up. Yeah, so Matt, with that, like the, the important point you made there, like it's not going to be the traditional Pebble Beach where they're playing all four days with these amateurs, right? Like they're, when they're actually in the heat of the battle on Sunday, they haven't got them in, in tow. Yeah, and... and the rounds won't be so long, but the thing is, Sunday is going to be pretty cold and really, really windy. So that's a whole nother battle they're going to have to fight. Have you gone course by course, record-wise, with players to see who is going to benefit from the dropping of Monterey Peninsula? 
Yeah, I actually looked at it a little bit. Um, mostly I was just kind of focusing on course history for Pebble Beach along because I think that's good enough. Yeah. That kind of brings the guys who are really good there um, to the top. And there's a couple guys that I'll mention that I think the course history might be a little bit misleading, well, the event history, because um, they've actually been really good at Pebble Beach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's the main thing. Like, rather than focusing on who benefits from the dropping of Montreux Peninsula, just focus on who's going to play good rounds of Pebble because they're going to be there for 54 holes. So absolutely like that approach. A little bit similar, I guess, to people like if you like them for the south course uh, last week at Torrey Pines, then, then they're beneficial. I guess on that little touch point last week, Matt, um bad week for me i mean i don't know generally for you um overall but like just a bad i was just way off of it um patrick rogers did well for me in the end but that was kind of it um and it's been that trend of of long shot winners right like it it continues um it's insane insane, the the winners um i had rogers too who did good and then i hit hideki which i'm really happy with that 60 65 to one and the way he played um so yeah i mean i did very few people, I believe, had Pavon. So, what are you going to do? Just keep trying again. And I think this week, I mean, I said it last week, but I really think this week it's not going to be a triple digit guy. Is that just because of the the inclusion of Scotty, Rory, Victor? Like, you just don't think you can get because that, essentially that's the only three that we haven't seen on the PGA Tour this season, like other than Century. So. We've seen all the other guys in flashes. Do you think it's just a culmination of all of them in one place that leads you to that? Or do you think it's just a test of golf as well? I think it's that, but I also think it's just the law of averages. Yeah. Like, no. we got to have a good, uh, you know, well-known, high-ranked player win this. We just have to. I mean, it might not be Scotty or Rory or Victor, but it's going to be someone. Like, even if it's even if it's. Fina or Fitz or 35, 40 to one. Yeah, time. exactly. Could be something like that, right? Like I think I think you're right. I think it's a law of averages. But like the the DP World Tour has been a clear opposite. We've had only favourites win. So like it's it's been a really weird year so far. Um anything to note from last week before we go into this week specifically? Um I'd say no. I mean I think one thing is just that people kind of look at the putting thing and think they got so unlucky and Fina was bad and Xander was bad and um but a lot of guys are going to miss short putts, and we said that last week on the show, and I'm going to say it again on this show at Pebble Beach. A lot of guys are going to miss short putts, and that's just, you know, it's not just your guys. You're just focused on your guys. Uh, most people are going to be missing short putts. So, besides maybe a select few, but um, yeah, this is the way it goes at these at these West Coast courses with that bumpy poa, especially late in the afternoon. I think the other thing as well, Matt, is how small the greens are here at Pebble for for 54 holes. I mean, I don't think Spyglass are massive either, but like at Pebble Beach Golf Links, the the greens are so small that there's actually probably going to be a bit of a premium on kind of around the green that we don't normally see week to week. Exactly, and then the, um, especially with the wind, I mean, it's going to be these greens going to be really really hard to hit in the wind and the the size of the of a dime, and um, it's going to take I think a really good all around performance to to win. Let's do it this way, Matt. Let's do it on the odds board, and we'll go that way, and then we'll correlate that because that might help us with maybe finding some value in DraftKings as well. I think that's probably the way to play it. So I'm going to quote the UK odds here, and we can kind of do it in in the American as well. But uh, so we've got Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy is 17 to two, or about plus 850. Victor Hovland 12 to one. Xander Schauffele 14 to one. Max Homer, Patrick Canley, Jordan Spieth 18 to one. And then it's 22 to 1 and bigger the rest. So of those guys that we've kind of mentioned individually there, those top seven going down to Jordan Spieth, 
who would be the guy that you would kind of feel most comfortable with backing both betting and DFS this week, I guess? Yeah, so I kind of went with a double bullet approach towards the top of the board, which um haven't really done this year, but I do think it's going to be a, a big, bigger name player that wins. Um, and I like both Spieth and Cantlay at 20 to 1 is what is the two that I started with. Um, and then I'll, you know, after that, it'll be, I won't touch anything until later on the board, but I love Spieth. I think um, the course history is great. I think he's due for a win. I think he's playing well. He finished third at Century in his last start. He had a bad year last year here, but it seemed to be really an outlier. I mean, he's been absolutely all over the leaderboard every time. Um, he's a good win player. Conditions are tough. I like him. The around the green game looks good. Uh, and I, I also think there's a factor of the PGA Tour. I mean, the last time, um, you know, Liv really was a bigger storyline in the Canadian Open. You had three stars in the mix. And this week you have a Liv beginning with Hatton and Rom gone. I, I just think the PGA Tour needs a big week out of their stars. And I think Spieth is going to be the guy who, who gets involved. Yeah, so I sort of said last week about I thought Patrick Cantlay might have a, you know, record week at Tory Pines, and, you know, relative to what he's played there in the past. That obviously didn't come to fruition, finishing, what, 56th. But, again, started well, as he has done for so many times this season and the second after round one. And this is a completely different prospect, right, for Pebble Beach, Cairns, Cantley, and, and looking at the fact he's been third and fourth at this golf course in the past, um, both the times in this event. Did he play the US Open here? He did, 21st, right? Yep. So he's been 21st US Open and 11th, third and fourth in this event. So... Truly loves this type of format, probably suits his so play, which is probably the joke everybody will make. But um, other than that, like just a good golf course for him. Um, good birdie fest at times when the scoring conditions allow. But I'm with you, Matt. I think I think Jordan Spieth's the bet this week. And I think it's because, not because of just his course history, which is obviously very easy to point to, which is the, you know, the win, the second, the third and the ninth. But as you said as well, it just feels like he's been bubbling under the surface for a little bit now. And it's been a case of, can he get to the right golf course to win for him? Um, and I think this is it. I mean, obviously, there's two golf courses, but the the right venue for him is these Pebble Beach Golf Links courses. And look, it's been a, a run of consistency, but we haven't seen an awful lot of him either. It's, it's a really weird thing. He's, he's pretty lightly run. He's done six events, uh, including the Open, dating back to kind of July last year. 23rd, the Open, 6th at the Phillips St. Jude. Uh, 34th at the BMW, 26th at the Tour Championship is obviously pretty poor. But then 6th at the Hero World Champion and the 3rd at the Century. Add that into 5th at Memorial, 2nd at Heritage. He's had a decent amount of top fives and top three finishes in recent starts to suggest that it's coming together for speed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 2nd, 2022, 3rd, 2021, 9th, and 2020. So, and he won in 2017. So, I mean... He's playing great. And the Cantley thing, I just think he's drifting to that range where I'm comfortable taking a chance on him, like the 20 to 1. It's just you kind of see this happen in cycles where those top five elite players, and I think he's in that category where if he was playing great, he might be 12, 14 to 1 in this event because of his history. But the fact he's not playing great, he's drifted down to about 20 to 1. And I think that's the sweet spot for him. And that's a place where I actually feel comfortable. Um, the first time I'm betting him in a long time. And I think one of the two is going to be involved. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're pretty safe with those two there. And as I say, I'm starting mine with um, Jordan Spieth. I guess, what would your argument be to someone that said Xander Shoffley? Just that he just doesn't win enough to be 14 to 1? Yeah, for me, I mean, the betting wise, like I think who has a better chance to finish top five, him or Cantley? I'd say him, but who has a better chance to win? 
I would say Canley has a better chance than Shoffley to win. And, uh, and I think Speed's got a similar top five upside to Shuffle here as well. So I think you're looking at the kind of each way value of Speed. It's probably better. Um, mm-hmm. So I think Speed is the absolute one. So for for the UK listeners and for, for the podcasting, for me in terms of betting picks, it will be 18 to 1 for Jordan Speed. Obviously, there's still some 20 to 1 over there in the US uh, on Speed and I think potentially Canley as well. Um, DFS-wise for these, so Scheffler, Rory, Victor, Shoffley, Homer, Cantley, Spieth, what are we talking about? What's the kind of line of thinking with those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think you can actually, not only can you, I think you should probably stack together a couple of these top guys, whether you like Xander, who it doesn't matter who you like. Yeah. I just think if that's the move this week with the no-cut event, you can jam two studs in, in your lineups because in the, in the bottom of the um, drafting board looks relatively inviting there are guys down there who i think can play fine and i think with four rounds guaranteed you're better off taking a risk in a, in a week like this yeah there's no right. cut yeah absolutely and i think i think the one thing we've potentially done this season has been maybe time constraints or just we've not felt like it was going to get to them like we've not spent a lot of time in that 6k range or as this week i think it'll be incredibly important um i like Victor, obviously, like everybody would. Like I think he's a top three player in the world. He keeps playing like that. Um, didn't necessarily kick on at the century, but it was only one round that really held him back from contending. So I don't mind starting Victor Spieth or JT Spieth. I don't mind JT here at all. I think JT's playing incredibly well. So I think that kind of one of those two is a duo. I mean, if you go to JT and Spieth to start, you, you're averaging seven seven fifty for the rest of your picks. If you start with Victor and Spieth, you're looking at 7-6. There's really not that much difference in terms of average money left between those two sort of starts. No, there isn't. Um, you can do whatever you want. I'm stubborn and stuck in my ways, and the guys who I want to bet I think are the best bets, and that's why I'm yeah. taking them. So I'm, And it gives me more room. I mean, yeah, could Rory be good here? Absolutely. Could Sheffield be good? Um of course, but I just think starting Spieth Cantley for me is what I want to do because it gives me a little more wiggle room in the middle range to go. In terms of popularity here, yeah. I don't think Rory and Scotty are going to generate that much ownership because I think most people are thinking they're 1300 and 1200 more expensive than the next guy, which is pretty insane. And I think most people are just looking to skip that. So if you were looking to be more unique and um you know you can the fact you can accomplish being unique and getting the two best players or one of the two best players in your lineup is pretty inviting for someone who's thinking more game theory lines and not stubborn like me and just wants to play the guys i think you're going to win when it comes to playing those guys is there still just enough volatility in the two course rotation and the program aspect for the first kind of 36 holes to put you off of them or is it just not events that you kind of like them for it's just me that i i just they can both be fine there but um, they, I don't know, they're both incredibly great off the tee, which it doesn't seem to be very that important here. They're going to, it's going to be a wedge fest. Everyone's going to have the same um, clubs in their hand for the most part. And I just think, could they win? Yes. But is there's just no reason to pay that much extra for them this week in a, on a golf course like this? No, I completely agree. Like I think, I think for me, like when you, the more times you put a wedge in Rory's hand, and that's quite of a lazy narrative, but like it, it can lead to some problems for him. He's better with those kind of mid to long irons, and and you know, as you say, if his driver's negated, he, he loses a little bit of oomph there. So, agree with your line of thinking. Max Homer's the one we didn't obviously touch upon. Who's nine two? Um, I kind of like Homer from a from a draftings perspective. 
he's too cheap, which is a problem. Yeah. yeah, it is a problem. You probably could jam in. I mean, like if you really wanted to, a Cantlay, G, a Cantlay, Spieth, and and Homa. Um, yeah, I like him. I like him a bit. He's probably gonna be the most popular player on the board because of that price. I'm saying like 25%, which is more than I want to pay. I mean, he's unproven here. Am I right about that? He has played here a few times. So he was seventh, fourteenth, and tenth. So he's been solid. he's been solid, but nothing like it's not one of those ones where you go, oh, it's, it's what he's done at Riviera or what he's done at other places where it's it's you know alarmingly obvious on their results that he would expect. Um, but yeah, solid enough. The one that hasn't played here at all and is completely untested is Morikawa and Aberg, I guess. I like Morikawa more than I like Homa, only because one, the ownership's gonna be much lower, and two, coming off a miscut, so I think people kind of have lower expectations, but. In theory, this is an absolutely perfect golf course for him. Absolute dream, right? Like, it's just, he will just plod his way around the golf course, be pretty surgical about it. The wind won't necessarily bother him if if he can keep it short off the tee. Um, I think the really important thing is that shortness off the tee. Like, the amount of sort of angular holes here don't allow you to go and hit it a certain yardage, right? Like, you're, you're confided to, to certain space and things like that. So, I think that'll only benefit Morikara and, and the kind of way he plots around. Do you apply the same theory with... Aberg, as you would kind of Rory and Sheffer in a sense that they're off the tee stuff's negated. Yeah, somewhat, but the difference is for for him, you're paying nine thousand, which is really cheap from what we've seen for him so far this year. Yeah. And he's the ninth, tenth price golf. I mean, for Rory and Sheffer, you're paying thirteen hundred more than you are for a Victor. And for him, you're paying twelve hundred less than you are for a Victor, and you're getting a lower ownership. Um, so I think you it's you're better off taking a chance on him. And I could see him playing well here, but um it's not going to be for me. I'd rather play Morikawa, but I can see why he might have some appeal. When you look at it, like, in his short kind of sample size, 10th in Mexico wins the RSM, 30th in Sony, and 9th last week in California, it would suggest that he's actually perfect for this. Like, he's he's kind of made for this type of golf, even though the lazy narrative, again, like I've just made, is that, he, you know, if he can't use his driver that much, he's not going to win. Like, he's proven that's not the case at the RSM and, and things like that. So... Um, yeah, tough one with with Aberg. I guess if you can get a decent discount on him, it'll probably be the time to play him. Yeah, I think so too. Back to the betting board then. So everyone that we talked about there is twenty eight to one or shorter. Aberg being twenty eight to one, Thomas being twenty five to one, the rest being twenty two to one and shorter. We're going to the betting board of Sam Burns, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tony Finau, Cameron Young, Sanjay M, Fleetwood. They're all kind of thirty five to forty to one. Anyone doing it for you in that range? Yeah, I mean, I wasted all my bullets here on, on Cantley and Spieth, so I can't really bet anyone in this range. But if I were to, I mean, I did look long and hard at Fleetwood. Yeah. Um, and that's not just because I find him attractive. But, I, uh, <laughs> but you do. I, but I do. But I, uh, no, it's, I just think it's a good, looking at his history, it isn't great. But I just think, in theory, this is almost like Morikawa, where this should really be a good course for him especially if the conditions get tough it's cold it's windy i can definitely see him in the mix he's playing great he was great in dubai and won in dubai and then played well the, the following week so i think he's a little too cheap on DraftKings, and he's not going to be popular and i think 40 to 1 is a pretty good bet too even though i can't do it yeah i like it um i think a lot of people have gone to fits for similar reasons um but i think i prefer fleetwood and just the recent kind of forms just to me that we should be 
feeling a lot more confident about Fleetwood than we are Fitzpatrick. Like, I know Fitzpatrick, you know, won last year and, you know, he was okay at the century, finished 14th there, second round 64. But 27th at the DP World Tour Championship where he normally plays really well, missed the cut at the Sony Open. Like, there's not as much certainty about him as there is Fleetwood at the moment. Right. I, I just think I, I have the exact same debate um, coming into the week kind of by myself, but I just thought Fleetwood, I mean, it's a very similar skill set. They both um, have a chance to win if they're in the mix, but I think Fleetwood is just playing better at the moment. And Fitz, I don't know where, I don't think he's in great form and Fleetwood clearly is. So that's why I would favor Fleetwood. Yeah. Burns, Finau, Cameron Young, Sung Im. anything to mention on any of those in particular? I mean, I just want to, give a quick insult to everyone who continues to bet Sung JM. That was me. Well, was it? <laughs> when was it? Um, some one, of the, one of the earlier ones. Yeah. I mean, the last week, I mean, you're, it's just like the guy has shown no ability to, and this is why I said last, he led the birdie, led the week, uh, broke the record for birdies at Amex, and then he still finishes in whatever he finished, 16th place. Like, the guy has shown no ability to be able to compete and win. Um and for him, there should be a good golf course for him, too. I mean, I don't mind him as a drafting play because, like we just said, he does make a lot of birdies. Um, and he should be a good fit for this golf course, but he ain't going to win. No. And also, the only the only evidence we've got is a missed cut. So that's all he's done. So there's nothing to really be too excited about. Cameron Young, I, I don't really see it. Um, I thought Sam Burns was interesting, like bouncing back off of that kind of throwaway at the Amex. Just feel like it could be a, a good little redemption story for him, good course for him. But again, not really much evidence. He's had one start here and finished 39, so um, nothing too hot on him. The the debate for me, which I think I know which way you've landed so far, but Jason Day missed the cut last week. Yeah, absolutely loves Pebble, L- like literally loves it. Probably his favourite course that he hasn't won on, which is really weird that he hasn't won here. But he's only missed one cut, I think, and then he, you know, he plays here almost every time. Fifth, second, fourth, fourth, seventh, twenty-four for his most recent starts here. Is he going to bounce back from this cut at Tory? He, he might, he, and he probably will. The problem is we're not getting the ownership discount that I thought we might. He's yeah. looking like one of the more popular guys in this range, and I'm just getting a little day fatigue. I've been going at him every week, betting him every week, playing him every week, and He's let me down. Does that mean he probably bounces back this week? Yeah, I'm sure it probably does. But I would feel worse about it if we, if we were getting that big ownership discount and big price discount and all that. But we're really not getting that. Um, I, I did think the odd from a from a betting perspective, I felt like there was an overreaction from the mm-hmm. mistake last week. So it's 50 to one, whereas 25, 28 to one last week. Like double the odds at a course. He like, obviously he's got the wins at Tory that he hasn't got here, but and you've obviously got the extra players in the field, but he, should, if you liked him last week like I did, you should probably persevere with him this week, I think, from a betting perspective. I, I, I agree with everything you just said from a drafting perspective, like you're not getting a discount, whatever. You probably don't need to even play this range if you're starting the way you start at the top. But from a betting perspective, 50 to 1, I felt like I, I had to still go with him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a good player in draftings too. And I. I think you're probably right to bet him again, especially if you've been on him like I have. But again, me, me going double barrel 20, I couldn't really get there. Yeah. Um, I, he was like 40. I've also got the same fatigue that you were talking about every day with Justin Rose. 
yeah. like I think you do just end up getting to a point where you just can't keep taking them. So this is going to be last chance saloon for me with Jason Day, but I am going to go with him. He's now 45 to one as we're as we're talking here um, over in the UK with the six places each way, or 40 to one, seven places, whichever way people want to take it. Um, but yeah, and then we come into next on our odds board over here is someone that you are playing, which I think you've got a slightly different mark. So Benny Ann is 45 to one over here. I think you've got 66 to one. I looked at your preview, Matt. Um, yeah. Would you still bet him at 45 to one? No, I wouldn't. I I bet a 66 and then I bet some more at 60 and I still have one book that's given me 60. So I added some more. So I actually hammered that 60, but, <laughs> but just because I see the market now, he's 35 on DraftKings, which is crazy. Yeah. 45, I'd think about it, but I'm seeing 35s and 40s too, which to me is just too far. And um, I love the bet. Uh, I just think he bounces back. He's the type where it seemed like, you know, people were expecting him to be disappointed from his playoff loss, but he seemed to be very encouraged and confident from it. Yeah. With the way he played and that shot he hit on 18. Like, I, I think a win is definitely coming for him. This is a great golf course for him. He was 19th, I believe, here in the U.S. Open here in 2019. Um, 16th, I think, yeah. Okay, yeah. With that, and with, with that being said, I I like him better as a bet than a DraftKings play just because he's going to be really popular. I'm seeing probably the most popular player in the 8K range in general. And I would rather play Day or Tommy or something like that and then just have my bet on him. Um, and then just because it seems like everybody wants to play him. Yeah, I think he's he's definitely a more fun bet. I couldn't get to him from a bet just because he's just one of those ones I'm not sure – he likes playing here. I mean, the evidence by the fact he only played here last year for the first time after the US Open. Um, so that put me off slightly in this range when I got Day at very similar odds that, you know, absolutely adores playing here. Um, next day in, in the DraftKings board and not too far away, I guess, in the, the betting board is Hideki Matsuyama, oh. who you've been on a lot recently and talking about him. What do you make of him this week? Well, the thing is, he played so good last week, and the ball striking numbers were there, what you're looking for. I just don't know if this is the course for him. It should be, though. Yeah, but... Like, it, it hasn't been, which is, is the problem, because he's never he doesn't play here. That's, again, he's just one of those players who just doesn't play it, whatever, schedule doesn't line up, finished 21st in the US Open. But isn't he great around the greens, can take advantage of of the small approach, you know, the small greens and the approaches. So if he's, if he's hitting the ball as well as he has last week, this should be great for him if he's back. Right. And I mean, is he back? Who knows? He's one guy you can't really take one week to the next. I feel like, um, to know if they're back or not, it just, it just completely. I could, random. I could just see him being, what would he be at? like? If he contends this week, he's going to be what, like 20 to one at Phoenix next week. Cause he loves Phoenix. Yeah. You can probably still get him at 30 or 35. And, um, but, because the odds have been out. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to get him at Riviera, too. Yeah. No, I think it's fine to be one week off of Hideki. Um, I'm just hoping to dodge him this week. That's my goal. Would it surprise if he played well? No, it wouldn't. No, absolutely. Um, someone that's sneaking into this part of the betting board over in the UK, um, Bo Hostler, 55-1, to 1, is going to be popular for obvious reasons. Too popular for you, Matt? No, I bet him, too, um, at 70 when it, the second it came out. Yeah. Um, so betting so far, I got Spieth and Cantlay at 20, Benny at 66, and Hoster at 70. Yeah. Uh, I would still probably bet it at 55, to be honest with you, because I just think he really has a good chance to win. I do. I, I found 
different players that were just sort of like much bigger odds in my in my betting thing that I just didn't need to go there in the end. But he was the one that if he wins, I'll be pretty disappointed because it's just so obvious. Like so obvious. It it is right in front of your face. And his his form is actually better than it's probably even being given credit for in his course. Like when he was 43rd, he was the first round leader, second after round two, 10th going into the final round. Uh, when he was 47th, he was 20th going into the final round. When he was third, a couple of starts ago, he was the 54 hole leader. And when he was 11th, he was 10th after 54 holes. So he's actually been inside the top 10, like going into Sunday multiple times and like could have won it really. So I don't think he's necessarily being given the credit. And he's probably one of the most improved players over the last six months. He's playing yeah, he's playing incredibly and um he just seems like he's ready to win and he was you know, he's the type of player who was a, this highly regarded prospect when he came out and he's been a little under um achieving in his time on the PJ tour. But I mean, if you look back fifteen, twenty years ago, these guys he's thirty one and he still has a lot of room where he can live up to his expectations um, if he starts getting some things together. And it seems like he's going to. Uh, he's a, It's just a perfect golf course for him. The small greens, he's a great putter, great short game. Uh, distance off the tee really doesn't mean much. He seems like he's getting much more confident. It's And this is one of those events where, yeah, a good player, a, a top player can win, but like their skill set is relatively mitigated. So if you're playing, everyone's playing from 150 yards and in, and then it's just a you know who can get the whole ball in the hole the quickest i think he can beat almost anybody yeah and for me with hostler i haven't bet him which is could potentially be a tough scene for me in the end but he just is hanging around longer like he's always been prone to these kind of fast starts or a good second round or whatever and just tailed off very quickly like it wouldn't even it wouldn't even be a case of like he's right in the heat on sunday and couldn't you know couldn't get over the line like he would just he would just disappear really quickly um, it just feels like he's, he's staying in a bit more and a little bit like what I said about Patrick Rogers last week. Like I feel like both of them have kind of gone to a new level um, in their game. And yeah, interested to see where that goes with him. Um, other people, obviously Nikolai Hoygaard played incredibly well last week at the Farmers. I think he could play well here, but it is negating his biggest strength, which is the driver. Uh, Tom Kim, are people going to be trying to be smart with him? Bad start to the season. Um, no, I don't think so. I think people are maybe sick of him. Cool. I don't want to play him, so that's absolutely fine. Um, Me neither. Me neither. 7K is probably where make or break this week. That's not a hot take, obviously. That's quite popular. You talked about Hostler there, 7-8. One of your other bets in here, Adam Scott, 7-6. I knew you'd be on Adam Scott this week. Like it was, It was so... It was so obvious. Like, I don't want to say you're transparent, Matt, but like it was, <laughs> it was all predictable, should I say. But it was so obvious. And look, for good reason. Like The last time he played here was in the US Open. He finished seventh. The one thing that put me off, missed the cut the couple of times he played this actual event like beforehand. And I don't know I don't know what that is. Maybe he wasn't playing well at the time or whatever. But he generally used to play quite well at the start of the year or the end, end of the year, start of the year sort of thing around the kind of winter time and he hasn't done it here in recent years so that was my only concern with adam scott is that he just didn't have that kind of event form rather than not thinking he can play pebble right so i think there might be a couple of reasons for that 
he always talks about winning events that like those signature events um, that mean something, those regular PG Tour events. I think he just couldn't get up for the Pro-Am. Uh, and this is still a Pro-Am, but now it's a signature event with a great field and a big purse, and it's a big event. And he has been playing recently, which I think is a really um, important thing. I mean, he, that Australian swing, he finished sixth and fourth. In November, he finished uh, a tie for fifth, which is kind of a while ago now. But then he goes and plays a hero Dubai, uh, does a classic, um, just a f- last week or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. And he finishes in a tie for seventh. I mean, he gained strokes off the board. He's hitting it really well um, off the tee again, which was kind of a problem before. So I just think with the wind, with the weather, he's if his conditions get tough, I think he can hang in there. Um, I, have a, I have a strong feeling he's going to be around. Yeah, I just it's just that it's just that pro aspect, I guess. And then one of the other things I would say to that is that we I'm going with the kind of I've drawn a hard line on it of like if they haven't played the program before there's a reason they don't like it that's why they're not going to play it etc but there is this little part of me in the back of my head that goes Adam Scott hasn't played here for what 10 years or whatever and think a lot of things can change in your life then like is he just way more relaxed about playing well, it's not 10 years is it it's like it's like literally like five years or whatever, but a lot can even change in that point, you know, period of your life. Like you might just be grateful to peg it up with someone in the program now. Like people change their attitudes really quickly and that you just can't predict until something happens on Sunday and they say in the speech, I guess. Yeah. I mean, all the events that he's really played well at last season were the tougher events. I mean, Memorial, he was top 10. Um, the Byron Nelson, I believe that thing played pretty tough. The winner. No, it didn't. Um, but he was kind of in the mix there. Um, Wells Fargo was fifth. Um, BMW was fifth. St. Jude was fifth before that. So I just think a tougher test gives him a better chance to be in the mix. He's been good in California. He's obviously won Genesis. He's been a runner-up at Torrey Pines. Um, so I, I just think all those things are pointing to him him playing well. And I just love the fact that he's playing before this. I think maybe before he really wasn't playing um, – overseas before he he debuted at, at this event or whatever he did but he, I think he's ready to have a bounce back here he used to go like he used to just like start his season with like Riv yeah go to like Doral or whatever and he played really well then like it was just weird that he used to play well almost coming in cold whereas now like it yeah it's a, it's a completely different approach and it's good I think the one thing I make a lazy comparison with them all the time He's a little bit like Justin Rose, right? Like very similar careers, like trajectories, what was expected of them, maybe haven't achieved quite as much as they would like. And now that the, the twilight years of their career, like a win at Pebble a year after Justin Rose did it would be kind of symbiotic, I think. Yeah, he puts really well on Poets, his best surface by far, and he gains 1.3 strokes per round on the field in really windy conditions. Yeah, like it. One person for DraftKings I want to talk about, Russell Henley. I think we play him because, I mean, I don't know how popular he is. You're going to tell me that, I guess. But 15th here on debut, Mr. Cutting his second chance. But it just feels like to me like Henley's not being talked about that much from what I've seen on just like Twitter and things like that. And, you know, finish the year with a 13th, the RSM final round 62, was fourth at the Sony Open. Should be a good golf course for him. Yeah, he won't quite be... Um... Cost popular, 
but he will be right around that Adam Scott 11, 12% range, I would guess, which is fine, which is perfectly fine for that price. Uh, should be a great golf course for him, um, playing pretty well. He's, he's not quite for me, I think, because I'm going to be playing Hosser and Scott anyway, even despite some ownership. But, yeah, fourth at Sony. I mean, he likes these short golf courses, so it makes a lot of sense. And how popular is Kevin Yu going to be, who is my next bet? Um, so I'm betting Kevin Yu. He is, you can get 100 to 1 five places with him over here. Generally speaking, 80 to 1 seven places is probably the best uh, approach over in the UK. I imagine Kevin Yu is going to be fairly popular. No, nothing crazy, like 8% I'm seeing. So that, that to me surprises me because Kevin Yu, one and only start at Pebble Beach, finished seventh. Um, his two best rounds of the week came at Pebble Beach. He opened with a 68, closed with a 67. And he's done nothing but impress over the last two weeks. Like third at the American Express, final round 63 to finish third. Opens up with a 64 at Tory to lead after round one. Closes with a 67 on the south course to finish sixth. Um, look, I get it, it's a small sample size of, of two weeks, right? But he was also 30th in Bermuda with rounds of 63 and 65 on the coast. I think Kevin Hughes developing into a player that could really contend. The the only thing that we've not got is he didn't win on the Corn Ferry and, and he hasn't won it on the PGA, so we've got no substance to say what he's going to be like in contention. Yeah, I mean, I think he's showing that he loves the West Coast, which is pretty clear. Third at American yeah. Express, sixth at Farmers, and last year, seventh year, and he's done a lot of good stuff on, um, on this part. And on the coast, he's been good, right? Because he also finished um, well at was it Bermuda where he was in the mix? Yeah. Something like that. Um, so, yeah, Bermuda in 2022. So, yeah, I mean, he makes a lot of sense. I guess the one reason, not a reason you wouldn't play him because that's fine, but he's, he's he really is an elite driver of the ball, which at Torrey Pines was much more useful than it will be here. Yeah, that that is a concern. Like, he does sort of flash in the, the off the tee stuff. But even in the, the couple of rounds at the stadium course, during the Amex, he was uh, led the field in tees green third and approach. So it's been pretty balanced, and his approach game, I think, was decently enough um, last week at Tory as well. So yeah, I just I really like Kevin Yu. I think it's a good time to play him. Um, you're not like if this was a normal Pebble Beach without the kind of signature event, he'd probably be 33 to one because the top yeah. guys would be here. Which is why I just I always believe these players. You can play them in these big opportunities. And stacked fields, you know, a bit like Wyndham Clark at, you know, Travelers and Brian Hart in the Open or whatever. Like, if they're playing well, they're playing well, and I'm happy to take them. So, I like Kevin New at 80s, and he's 7 2, which I think is a great price in DraftKings. It is, and I think one of the reasons why you might be surprised that his ownership was not not that 8 is low, it's actually relatively high for this price range, but there's just so many proven commodities around them. Yeah. Eric Cole at 7,300, which um 20 percent. i said last week if you bet him at 35 to 1 you should uh fist your own ass <laughs> and uh that proved to be true when he missed the cut horrifically and actually wanted jason day over eric cole tournament head-to-head that i hit pretty hard uh which paid for most of my week um just because i thought the price on cole was egregious and people are still playing him he's looking like he's one of the highest players on the entire board he's almost 22 percent at 7300 which is crazy nick taylor's gonna be really popular um and then also you got Todd down here, who's sucking up a lot of ownership as well. So between those three, I think that's why you might see Kevin Yu a little bit lower than he should be, which I think provides an opportunity to take him. So the Todd and Nick Taylor, like Nick Taylor, uh, previous winner of his golf course, 2020, I think it was. Um, and then 
you know, Brendan Todd should be great at this type of event. He was second here last year behind Justin Rose. So I get why they're so popular at 7-2-7, seven, 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 but that's great for me. I mean, Eric Cole, I don't really get why he's still so popular. He let you down last week. There's no, I mean, I guess he was 15th here on his debut last year, but it was a far weaker field. Um, I'm fine with just jumping off there. The one I want to talk about in this range, Keith Mitchell. I spoke to you last week about, is he finally going to get over his Tory Bynes thing? Is, is it just he's going to hate Tory Bynes? He hates Tory Bynes. It is guaranteed, no matter how well he's playing, he's not going to play well with Tory Bynes. When that happens and he goes from finishing 30th at the Sony, where he was fourth after two rounds, ninth at the American Express, where he shot the final round 62, I'm fine with going straight back to the well with him after a miscut on a course that he just absolutely hates. I like it. It's, he's cheap. He still gains strokes pretty much across the board, even though he missed the cut. Um, and he's going to be relatively under-owned, and yeah, I can totally see him bouncing back and having a good week here. What's he done here? Well, that's the one I come on to, because he was 47th on debut, but he was actually 8th after round one, missed a couple of cuts, and he was 32nd. But then the last two times he's been here, 12th and 4th. Yeah, pretty good. And I think what it is, Matt, like people just look at Keith Mitchell and go, oh, it's not a big driving golf course. That negates his strength. Like, he's just missed the cut at Tory. Let's just give him a break. Like, he's proven over the most recent months that this is a good setup for him. Yeah, I think it's a good, a really good play. I like it. So he's another bet for me, um, as well as a DraftKings play. I'm just going to find the price for him uh, in the UK. He is now... 110 to 1 with the six places each way, which I think is really generous um, because we know he can win. He has done it in the past. Um, and I think it's a good golf course for him. Yeah, I like it. Someone that's snuck down in the UK is now 100 to 1 with the seven places, Matt, that you've bet is Patrick Rogers. I know you obviously put him up at 150 to 1. Do you still like the 100 to 1 with the each way value? Yeah, I bet a couple um, different places, and I ended up putting a piece on because I bet to win a lot, so I usually have to spread it up between multiple books, so I'm not just absolutely destroying one book. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I bet a piece of it at 110, and I thought I think that's still fine. I, I love Rogers this week. I mean, I could really totally see him winning. I, I really believe that he could win. Um, he's cheap, and he's relatively unowned. I think people are turned off by the course history, but he did have that one good start. I think it was his debut in this. Eighth, yeah. Yeah, and then he was bad since then, but... So digging deeper, what I found was he, let me get this up. He ranks um, in this field in my, let's see, my custom model that I made on just Pebble Beach. He's seventh in strokes gain total. So he must have been really bad on the other two courses. Yeah, he's got, when he's him, he finished eighth in his debut where he shot 65. Uh, in round two, I don't know where that was. And then 69 in round three. I'm guessing one of those would have had to have been Pebble for him to rank as high as he does. Then he shot 78 round two to kind of miss the cut the following year. But he's kind of had like, he's had like one disaster round kind of each time. But then the last couple of times, he's been like just 72s across the board. Like it it can just be a little bit rusty at the start of the season. Maybe not, you know, coping with the power greens, whatever. Um I think things can completely change. I loved Patrick Rogers last week, so a little bit like the comment day earlier. Like if you loved him last week, probably should carry on this week. Like the, the consistency is the difference. As I said with Hostler early, like 16th of Australia, where he's third going into the final round, 14th at the Century, where he had 65 and 66, 24th at the Sony, two rounds of 66, and then ninth last week. And 
really like nothing to he had a couple of 73s didn't he on the week but that's par for the course I think at Tory Pines I guess it's whether he can make enough putts on these greens he should be able to I mean he's grew up putting on these greens went to Stanford yeah. uh west coast guy he's uh, grew up in in California he gained 3.6 strokes ball strike striking last week I just think he's really and he's one of those other guys like if a, if a long shot is going to win uh elevated event I think it's a guy like him who is the big name who struggled a little bit who kind of bounced back almost like a Chris Kirk um it's yeah. still a name it's still a guy who you know, Chris Kirk won the elevated one. So I, I just think, and like you said, with day, you got to go back to it. But the difference with Rogers is he's 150 or 110 to one. Yeah. And he's 6,900. So you're crazy if you don't go back. I get not wanting to go back to a guy who's going to cost you a lot of money if you're betting him and cost you a big roster spot if you're playing on DFS. But a guy like Rogers, he's cheap. He's long odds on the betting board. And he is not going to be relatively popular at all. So there's just no reason not to play him. He's, he's, to me, he's probably my favorite play on the board. Yeah, it's, it's one for me, like, I've just got a really crowded 100 to 1 range. Like, it's just, I was surprised at how many players. I liked Mitchell, I liked Kevin New, 100 to 1, 110 to 1 when I wrote them up. And um, this other guy that I'll come on to in a bit is 150 to 1, that in the end, I just went that someone's got to kind of be sacrificed. And it was um, Patrick Rogers, and the other one was Bo Hostler. So, you know, if you have a great week, I've probably had a bad week. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting. It's, like you say, there's not much opportunity cost at this point to keep going with Patrick Rogers. Anyone else you want to mention in the sevens? I know you've liked Alex Noren recently. Like any interest? Yeah, I think he seems like a decent play. Uh, he's playing well. Not crazy popular. I, I think you can definitely play him. Todd, I was going to play, but I don't, I'm just going to avoid due to the popularity. I'd rather play Noren. I'd rather play Rogers 69. Um, one other guy I was looking at a bit was Hadwin. Yep. He's not going to be crazy popular. Uh, he's still pretty cheap. I'd rather play him than Cole, no doubt. He has some pretty good history here. I think just Pebble Beach alone, I know he's in the top 10 in strokes game total at just Pebble Beach, so I think he might be one of those sneaky course history guys. I think we had this conversation after Chris Kirk. Matthew Pallon. Like, people won't believe that he can contend two weeks in a row, especially at the PGA Tour level. After he won for the first time ever on the DP World Tour after a long career of not winning. So he was sixth the week before he won, then he won, then he finished ninth the week after. And then not long, not too long after that, like three starts after that, he then finished fifth in the DP World Tour Championship, which is a big event for him as well. Uh, best finish there. So he reacted really well to winning. I think it's all right to go back to him. Like seventh at the Sony, 39th for the Amex, wins last week. I know he kind of had a little bit of stress towards the end, but nothing too crazy. He's played here before because he played in the US Open. He obviously missed the cut, but I see it as an event where he could still play well again after winning. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, I personally want nothing at all to do with it. Because think- because of him like just reaching, I guess, career peak or just... Yeah, yeah. I think reaching career peak, I think a combination of both. Like, I think there was just a perfect storm for him to win that event. Um, I, I imagine it was probably the one of the best moments of his life. Um, yeah. And it's unlike Kirk, where he's a kind of a more known commodity. who's won multiple times in the PGA Tour. This is his second or third ever start in the PGA Tour um, since he got his card. So I just think he's really due for a, a, a bad a week. Yeah. I think someone asked me um, on Twitter... Uh, what are the chances of Pavon going back to back? And I said, absolutely zero chance of that. <laughs> that uh, 
The only reason I ask it though, because like he's played, he's third at the Scottish Open, second in Mauritius. He's obviously finished seventh in Sony. Like he obviously doesn't mind playing in the wind. Um, it just comes like just a lot. A lot of his stuff is wind play. Like he's been really good in the wind. Controls his ball well. Um, loves low scoring conditions. So I guess the point you made there is the difference. Like Chris Kirk was winning for what the sixth, seventh time on the PGA Tour and Pavon's winning for the first and he's only just won for the first time on the DP World Tour as well. So it all happening. I guess it, there's one or two ways to look at it. Are we going to kick on now and be this player that can contend multiple times a year, probably more so on, on the DP World Tour? Or he's just going to kind of never do anything again and it depends where you fall on that argument, I guess. But 34th best player in the world technically at $7,100. Yeah, I would, I would rather die than play him. <laughs> so nothing I can do to convince you otherwise. No. Um, I love that. Anyone else in the sevens you want to mention? Um, this is going to be a tough act to follow if I just said that. I'm not going to name yeah, the shittiest player ever. You literally just said, I'd rather die than play Matthew Favon. So just, I can't wait for you to mention who this other guy is in the 7K range. I mean, whoever I say next is, is a lot of pressure on him, but no one in the, no one in the sevens. Okay. Uh, I get two two people I want to talk about in the sevens: Wyndham Clark and Ricky Fowler. Yeah, both just in seven four for a reason and just easy to ignore. Or I mean, what's does Clark have any history? Let's have a look. I just feel like people are just going to play Clark forever because he won the U.S. Open once. Eighteenth uh, here in twenty twenty. Um, two miscuts otherwise. Yeah, I'm no interest in Clark at all. Just not playing well enough. And you know, I just, I'm just so out on him in general. I just think he was, he's more. Um, everyone wants him to be like an elite player, and I think he's more Jason Duffner than anything else, or which he, he's fine, I guess. Um, he's more Jimmy Walker. He's more that one-time random major winner, and he's gonna kind of go back to the where he was before. I just think people are a little too quick to anoint him as something that he maybe wasn't. And Ricky Fowler's just not got a pulse at the moment. He's just playing so bad. I mean, he and th- he, this one would be more of a leverage play for me. Like Clark, he's still going to generate some ownership. He's cheap. Um, but with Fowler, no one's going to play him. And he's cheap. And, again, the Clark thing, like, I don't know. When you think of Clark, you don't think of wedges and whatever. With but Ricky, it, it should be a great course for him. But it's leverage for the sake of leverage because there's nothing to go by with Ricky, right? There's nothing to go by besides the fact that it should be a good course for him. Yeah, but what are you doing that U.S. Open? Sucked, I imagine, because he sucked really bad then. Forty-eight or something ridiculous. Thing. Yeah. Um, I would. Would it shock you if he was like first round leader? No, he was second after round one in the U.S. Open. Yeah, I might bet him first round leader like a hundred to one. I guess it depends what course he's on, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't like playing first round leaders on these multi-course things. It never works out for me anyway, so I probably won't even do it. No. Jaeger's there too. Anything on him? Jaeger. Uh, just can't win. So, I mean, he doesn't need to at this price point, but like, I mean, he doesn't have a pulse when it comes to winning. He puts like a fucking Didn't terrible he just completely missed the ball, like missed the hole the other day, like by like three foot left or something. That was the worst putt I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I don't know what, what he was doing. Like, 
if you're going to try and talk me into Steven Yeager after just saying I'd rather die than pay Matthew Pavon, I don't know necessarily we can continue this conversation. And that's legitimately the worst part I've ever seen. That includes like playing with 20 handicaps. I've never seen someone that it close was, to the hole. It wasn't good. Um, so yeah, I'm not not in on Steven Yeager because even if he played well for three rounds, by the time he gets to the fourth round, he's going to be finishing 47. So um, obviously he kicked off the 6K with Patrick Rogers. We've had that discussion. I kind of like Bez again. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's, there's nothing to say he shouldn't be good here, and he's playing great. Um, that's why I feel like you, there's so many good players down here. But this, this is what, like I think the 6K range is actually probably the most pivotal this week because you're going to want to do what you want to do at the top. Like Everyone's going to have their own personal preference, but you can almost, as you said earlier, do exactly what you want as long as you differentiate down here, right? And like he missed the cut at Torrey Pines, and that was disappointing, but I think he could bounce straight back. Like He was playing really well, like third and second in his last two starts before that. Play really well at the Amex, did everything that he could to put the pressure on Dunlap. Um, yeah, I'm going back to the well with Bazin Hat again. Weird full circle moment for me after saying I hate Bazin Hat. I've now, you know, kind of talked about for a couple of weeks, but things change. Um, yeah, you're you're a big Cbez guy now, and I, I can see it because it does seem like there's more of a link with the Amex than with this event than there is with the farmers. Yeah, and just like I just think. It's a like less stressful event, I guess. Like even if it gets cold and windy, like you're still only just firing into short holes and small greens, and he loves the around the green game and things like that. Chips yeah, he's a short game the putting. Yeah, I like it. Fourteenth on his debut, so yeah, I like him. A lot of guys you can play down here. There really is. You hate Taylor Montgomery, don't you? I do. Any change in circumstance with him at all? No, I mean. He's another guy who makes a little bit of sense, um, but he hit the ball out there pretty far. I don't know. Good on the West Coast, but he's still going to be close to 9%, 10% ownership. Which like is... I, think, I think he makes the putts, but he's probably not going to hit it close enough, it's, even in the shorter, smaller greens. Like, I just don't think he's going to hit enough, not have enough birdie putts, I guess. Yeah, if you're not playing him last week like me, I think you don't. I don't see any reason to play him this week. Cool. This is a really interesting range now, 6-8 down to kind of 6-6. Six, six. My fav- Probably my favourite players in here. Um, but you've got Putnam, Grillo, Tom Hoagier, I think is coming back to life a little bit in that little run there. We've talked about Grillo a couple of times now um, and kind of decided we weren't going to play him, but we could see why people would. Strokes can approach 10th last week. 58th on his only appearance in his golf course, which was at the US Open, was 8th after round one. Grillo I play? Um, I don't know. What's, what's his What's his power stats like? It's let's see. In terms of his other, um, I mean they're definitely not good. I'll tell you that much. He's <laughs> yeah. Putting wise, this is this is by far his worst surface. Let me see exactly okay. what he does. Um, but yeah, it's it's. There's a couple other guys here. Like I, I was actually thought you were gonna go somewhere else with that. I've I've got one coming, but I like I like Hoagie a lot. Yep, I can uh, see Hoagie. I think I think he's coming back to life a little bit. So I like Hoagie, but the one I really like, Kirk Kitiyama. That's also not where I thought you were going to go. Oh, wow. So Kirk Kitiyama was my favourite. Like, when you said to me earlier about Patrick Rogers as a type of player that would come and win one of these signature events, um, Kirk Kitiyama did it at Bay Hill um, and grew up playing Spyglass Hill, I believe, Northern California guy. He has played this event three times. He finished 29th last year. He's the 36th hole leader of the 54-hole 
Oh, Fitchwell Halsey was second, so he's in the final group with Justin Rose. Uh, when he was 18th on debut, he was 12th going into the final round. So a couple of sort of disappointing final rounds. But, um, yeah, under 12 months ago, he won Bay Hill. He's 150 to 1. Um, second at the CJ Cup, the Mexico Open and the Scottish Open, all before winning at Bay Hill. Top five at the PGA Championship and the Honda Classic, so it gets a bit tough. Fine. Likes the Poa Greens. Finished 2023 with a 64 in round three at the Zozo. And then just played all right in Hawaii, like 29th and 24th. Um, 64 and 66 at the Century. Round of 62 at the Sony, where he's fourth after 36 holes. I think we've had enough flashes from Kitty Arms to suggest that in a loaded field where he's excelled before on a course that he's already shown a liking for, I think Kurt Kitayama is a good play. I agree with all those things you said. The one thing I will push back slightly on is, are you sure he likes Paul Greens? Well, he likes he likes Northern California. <laughs> so, he's awful. And in Northern California putting and in POA, it's just... Um, West Coast putting, so this is all the um, Pola on the in California. He's minus yeah. 0.9 per round, which is almost dead last in the field. Okay, so so he likes playing there. Does it does that mean he likes putting there? I don't know. So that's been the difference between him contending and and being top 30. Yeah, who else? Just like some other guys who are at the very very bottom. Uh, Grayson Murray is loses over a stroke per round. He's awful here. Benny on West Coast putting is losing over a stroke. But per they're going to be small sample sizes for someone like Kitty Armour. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, and on putt really well at the um, a couple of weeks ago. So that, that's what I mean. Like, I, like I think in my head, like he must have had a decent period of growing up and playing power greens. Well, obviously I haven't looked into his recent record there. Otherwise, I'd be uh, having a different standpoint. But I still really believe in his talent, and he's played well here in the past. I mean, he was second after 54 holes last year, so he must play this. He must be so bad at some other power greens that. Um, yeah. That no, I, I, I totally agree. I think he can definitely be fine here, and I think he's a great play. I'm, I'm going to play him. You talk me into him. I like him. Would you bet him or just just play? I don't him? think he's going to win two elevated events, and, but that's I, I go off narrative street sometimes like that. Yeah. Like I, I mean because because he didn't like like he was really impressive that time. It wasn't like he sort of lucked his way into it. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. he was great. Um. So. I love how he did it as well was the main thing. Just want to see what he did. I just want to wonder how he how did he put here last year. Let's see, Kiyama. It's called Pebble Beach. He lost 1.1 for the event. Ah. Okay, surprising. Yeah. But there we go. The guy I like down here is Taylor Moore at 6400. Yeah, I thought he might. Yeah, he's not playing great. I haven't played him in a while. Um, but he's not playing great right now. But last year, if you see, he finished 15th here. I think his last two starts, he's finished in the 15th range. Um, and when he did, I believe he wasn't doing anything going into it. So, like, he wasn't playing great. And then he, so 2023, he missed a cut at the AMX, finished 11th at the Farmers, and then was 15th here. And then in 2022, he was 67th at AMX, missed cut at the Farmers, and then 16th here. So I just think he likes this course. Um yeah, I like I like Teddy Moore. I think he's a long-term talent that's going to be. I don't think we've seen enough of him in 2024 to say he's in bad form. I think he's just not played a lot, and like that's a good opportunity when you come back to a course where I think he's had a couple of top 20s right so far. Uh, 16, 15. Yeah, 16, 15. 
Yeah, I thought you'd like Brandon Wu. Like, that's your guy, right? Yeah, it is, but I just think... He's going to be popular, is he? No, I don't think he is. I think he's just a past Fallon guy. Yeah, true. Coastal, yeah, but I just like, like Coastal, that's what I mean. Like, it, like it's just whether it's the putting surface, I guess. But I he was second last together. year. Sixth last year? Second. Oh, that's right. Um, no, I'm just not feeling it. No. I'd rather play Cooch. You've got a sickness, I think, with Matt Cooch. But he's she's 6,200. Yeah, I know, but he's playing like he's 6,200 as well now, isn't he? Well, you're the guy who told me he was going to win two weeks ago. I know, but I was dead wrong. <laughs> like, don't listen to me, obviously. <laughs> I've just told you that Kitty Armour's great on Poa Greens, and he's, like, dead last <laughs> in the field. So, yeah, don't listen to me. Um, everyone talks about Sam Ryder in California, and he's literally the minimum value. Yeah. Um, what was he popular a couple of weeks ago? What did he um, What did yeah. he do when he was popular? Finished 62nd and he missed the cut last week where he does play well. So maybe there's your answer. Yeah, um, no, I'm not feeling it. Finished not year. Not I don't know. McNeely's the one down here, 62. He's gonna be crazy popular. Because everyone's just looking for that cheap 62 guy to finish their lineup off, basically. Yeah, and he's first here in strokes gain total at Pebble Beach. So do you just eat the chalk a little bit, or just no? No, I don't want to eat it. I don't. Uh, I have no interest in it. I'll just play Taylor Moore at 6,400, who's nobody's playing. Hubbard will be the other guy who's popular. I have a rule in life, and um, sometimes I'll break that rule occasionally. Uh, if you guy's 7,200, and I really, really think he can win, and he's 12%, but 6,200 is too low to play a guy who is going to be double-digit ownership, and I'm just, I, I'll just, I'll just never do it. What is going to be the ownership of? I'm probably sick of talking about this guy. I just want to see what he did last week. Um, ben Griffin missed the cut last week. Um, ben Griffin you, is a loser. You, <laughs> you said this to me last week and he did miss the cut, but he was 30th and 9th going into that finished year 8th. Like, I don't know, playing better than 6,400. Yes, um, and it should be a good course for him. Did he play here last year? Yeah, missed the cut. Yeah, his um, time is might be over. What about Mac Hughes? Let's have a look. 16th here last time he played here. 10th a long time ago. But So 10th and 16th when he's made the cut. A lot of people liked him for Tory last week, which I know was based on the fact that he played somewhere at the US Open, but he's never done the Farmers very well. Um, and on paper, it makes no sense for him. Yeah. So I, so I actually think it's a good buyback spot for him when he was 7th at Mexico, 25th of century, 2nd at the RSM. Yeah, I agree. I would much rather take a chance on him than some of these other popular guys. I think I think he's, he's a really good play at 6,400. Yeah, I like him at 64. So if we put him at 64 and Taylor Moore at 64 and anchored our team that way, yep. you can basically do whatever you want. So let's say... Yep. What are you going to say? What if you put Patrick Rogers in there? Because he's going to be in the top five. Rogers. So, hear me out. So, we can have the Cantlay Spieth start that you liked, but with Victor Hovland. Mm-hmm. And then we can have Patrick Rogers, Kevin Yu, and leave 6,600. And you can pick either Moore or Hughes. Or you can have Kitty Armour if, if we believe he can get over yeah, this. Yeah, that's really good. 
So Kitayama is your worst guy. Um, so that's why you can jam studs in this week. That's a perfect example. So that, that's the example of what you can do. You can have Hovland, Cantley, Spieth, and do whatever you want, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. And those guys, you're guaranteed to get four rounds out of them. Yeah. Or you don't go as high as, as Victor, and you strengthen up the bottom a little bit. Yeah, and you might want to go maybe Adam Scott at 7,600, who I like, or um, who else? Hostler at 7,800. But you, you could literally – so, you, again – if you if you put in so if we went Cantley, Speed, Scott, Rogers, Kitty Armour, you can almost again, apart from Chauvelet and Hovland, have your pick. Thomas, Homer, Morikawa, Aber, Burns, Finau, Cam Young. Yeah. Like Homer or Morikawa, I mean that's a really good lineup. Yeah. Like I actually think what Homer's done here in the limited stars is pretty impressive. So yeah, you can do a lot. And if you if you start them putting in Matt Hughes or Taylor Moore or whatever, you can basically do what you want. Exactly. So it's, it's going to be so. Is that in final closing statements? Is that going to make the ownership more sporadic anyway? Like I know we're going to see some higher end guys, but there's so much that you can do. It'll make it slightly sporadic, but my problem is the, the stars and scrubs method is going to be very very popular. Yeah. Um. So you're looking at the you know the more popular expensive guys are yeah. going to be are going to get a lot of ownership, and then that's the biggest reason why. I think you cannot play McNeely, Hubbard, or um, one of these other really, really popular guys like Todd at seven, um, or Nick Taylor at 72, or um, there's a couple other ones I said, Cole, just because that's going to be, that build is going to be so popular that you're in trouble if you match it. So you said you liked Jason Day as a DraftKings player, right? Yeah. I know we've gone back and forth a lot here. You like Adam Scott, so you can go Cantley, Speed, Adam Scott, Jason Day, which I think gives you four players that can definitely win. Yep. And your two high floors, I think too. Sorry. And they have high floors, I believe. Yeah, too. exactly that. And then, the, and then the worst two are Bo Hostler and Keith Mitchell. Yep, I like that too. And then that's more of a unique build, I think too. Yeah. Or again, you could you could you could drop out Keith Mitchell and go down to Kitty Armour or something if you want to then leave money on the table to get unique in that sense. Yep, absolutely. But I do think that Stars and Scrubs is going to be the most popular type of build, and I think the most popular players in that build are going to be, um, you know, Cantley, Shoffley, Hovland, Homa. So that's why I think maybe go to Morikawa, Spieth, um, and then those, and then find those cheap because guys, those bottom guys are so similar in what they actually can do. Like I know people have their favorites and stuff, but. If you pivot to one of the unpopular ones, that way you're gaining so much leverage on the on the rest of the field, and you can still play those more popular mid-range guys if you really want to. And look, we know we know that McNeely did you know, did finish fifth and second here in the past, and I get why he's so popular. He's he's up on there and the straight can but he's not playing like that guy either. He's not playing particularly consistently. So I know he's sort of flashback to form after the injury, but nothing special. No, he's no guarantee he's going to play well. He definitely could suck. That's yeah. Like I think I think people think they go like I'm McNeely's guarantees play well at Pebble Beach and he's 6200. Then there's a reason he's 6200. No, I, I I would wager that he probably will suck because of all those reasons. Yeah. Cool. Matt, I'm just going to summarize our betting picks as well. So for me, it's Jordan Spieth at 18 to one. Jason Day now 40 to 1 with seven places. You can get 45 to 1 if you want to take less. Uh, Kevin Yu 80 to 1 with seven places. 
I'm going to go with Keith Mitchell, who is uh, 125 to one with six places, and Kurt Kitayama is 125 to one with seven places. Uh, Matt, you can just name your picks, and then I'll give the odds after for you. Yeah, I got Spieth and Cantlay, um, Benny on, who I bet at 66, but I would probably bet it down to 45, but it definitely would not go any lower than that. 50 would be yeah. better. Um, Adam Scott at 80. I think that's probably still available. And then Patrick Rogers, I'm fine with a, anything 100. Yeah, so for us, actually, the, the one discrepancy, so we've got uh, Patrick Cantlay and John Spieth for those picks there at 18 to 1. Benny Ann is down to the 45 to 1, but you're getting seven places, so it's pretty generous. Um, the Hostler's down to the 55 to 1 with six places. Um, Adam Scott is the one. Like you can't get 80 to 1 anymore. It's 66 uh, or 60 yeah. to 1 is kind of the, the best numbers. And actually, those are closing up as well now. So um, he's probably the one that maybe would be a bit of a casualty for you in, in that sense. Um, but Patrick Rogers still 100 to 1 with seven places as well. Good. Sounds great. There we go. Matt, I've, I've really enjoyed doing it this way. A little bit more chaotic going back and forth with betting and draftings and all sorts of things like that. Um, and if we do it in the future, we've always got to tidy those things up a little bit. But I think it's been good, really informative, and, and we've covered a lot of ground there. I thought it was great. I think it just got, I feel like we just got a lot more information out there. So I'm happy with how it went. And you've maybe realized that Kitty Armour is terrible at passing on power. So um, between that and saying that you'd rather die than play Matthew Pavon, it's been a strong podcast. What about the rather fist my ass than play Eric Cole. Yeah, but you said that like last week as well. I mean that's just yeah. that's just a you know that's a given, right? Like that's not that's not a headline anymore. So um yeah. but yeah, stick to it because it's something that we can put on your tombstone in the day. So <laughs> um Matt, thanks as ever. Uh good to chat golf with you as it always is. Um and let's have a good week. <laughs>